Now, Ryan, in in Boston, did they refer to the great work of Orwell as Animal Farm? <laughs> I'm just wondering. Four legs good, two legs bad, kid. <laughs> it's wicked farm. That, now you see, they want to turn us all against each other. That's not how things are. They work together. They work together. <laughs> Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. I'm just a little bit fucking freaked out on how synchronized that just was. <laughs> and Ryan. Only the finest of gas station beers, the Voodoo Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Voodoo Ranger, my ass. I don't understand why every gas station I go into has like four <laughs> different flavors of Voodoo Ranger, 937 different flavors of IPAs that you can buy, but like... That's it. Like, they don't have any other flavors of just, like, loose cans of beer that you can buy. Because kinda, they, until they, everything's they have to, they can't hold stocker along there. So they, you know, they got to move stuff along. So they it's sell be- what's popular. It's because yes, New it's- Belgium is run by union thugs, and they forced out all the, <laughs> all the good, God-fearing, non-union-made yeah. beer. Listen, Mike Johnson's willing to personally take on the... Uh, Stewardship of their fourteen-year-old children. I, mean, I will tell you though, the Fruit Force, the Fruit Punch IPA is not bad for nine and a half percent is alcohol. Good. No, Fruit Force is good. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, the problem is, is really what if you really want to go down this road? And I haven't had a beer in like forever now, but if you really want to go down this road, the problems with IPA. Like, I love IPAs and everything, but it's the dumbest, easiest beer to make, and they all taste similar. That so, like, and it, it seems like it's a fucking arms race for the IPA to who can get it the most bitter with the highest alcohol yet yeah. still be drinkable. Oh, absolutely! And it's ridiculous. Dude. Like, why are you doing that? I don't need a forty-seven percent alcohol IPA. <laughs> Just give me because something craft I can enjoy. beer dudes buy a lot of beer. Like, like it's not a, it's Coors Light levels, but like at craft prices. So, I yeah. mean, you know what I mean? I, so I, I think I, it, think I really think that's what it's about is the IPA shit. Yeah, I, I think it goes faster too. Like the brewing process is is quicker than, than some other ones oh really uh, um, I, I don't know i could go grab my brewing book but i can't remember charlie papazian but uh we I, we made an ipa once and it was uh i was just there for the brew day but i don't remember if it was quicker or not there's something about it i think that's just easier like you really don't have to try that hard you just basically mm-hmm. you throw the hops in and it's just su- super fucking hopped oh so, so it's just a low effort drink that's good to know I think so. I mean, they would probably argue against that, but whatever, you know. It's it's yeah. like your beginner. I have had um I've been to Cigar City Brewing in uh Tampa. It's pretty cool. I like that place. We went on the Tampa. We went on the tour, actually stole an extra glass from them uh, cuz they gave everyone a glass at the end of the day, but I was like, fuck it, I took all three. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Steve just quink it as he goes out of there for all the glasses he's got poorly shoved clink, under clink, his clink, shirt. Clink, 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 him, dude. That guy was a big redneck. He was he was a nice guy, but he handed everyone hops to like taste them, and I was the only one who asked for like a second hop. I was like, let me try that again because it was so it was so bitter, and he was just like, are you okay? Everybody's <laughs> just staring at you. Yeah, now my friends were there, and they were like, uh, and I'm like, listen, man, I like only the strongest of pickles, you know. Uh, <laughs> It was uh, it was pretty brutal. Anyway, speaking of uh, 
brutally bitter people. Who are we talking about this week? Matthew uh, you're Perry not, being you're, dead. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Bitterly soon, brutal. Bro. He was a sex pest, though, so I don't feel bad. He was definitely a sex pest. Who? Is the, I didn't Matthew hear you Perry. there. Matthew, Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. Oh, friends. yeah. Was he well, a sex pest, though? I'm just, yeah, there's yeah. there's yeah. credible accusations. I've, I've heard that the, one of the theories about what happened is that apparently he used to do a lot of drugs. I don't know if he still did them. No, um, he was, apparently he had been clean for a long time, apparently. But yeah, the, yeah, uh, I knew he was an addict. But but the thing was that the theory is is that because his heart had been weakened by mm-hmm. like doing like abusing substances for so long that he had like a heart attack in the, the hot tub and then just like went yep. under and drowned. Yeah, that's probably what happened. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, he, even, he was severely abusing at one yeah. point, I believe. Cause like, he was, I, yeah, he was I read bad. an article that kind of painted him like, uh, you know, like he never really recovered after Friends, which is apparently, you know, it's a big thing. Like Seinfeld, I mean, yeah. to be perfectly honest with you, the only two people that did anything after Seinfeld were Jerry and Elaine, or Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like what the Jason fuck? Jason Alexander. Yeah, but he just does like, like voices. He hasn't really been in anything. Yeah, well, he hasn't. Kramer did was uh, get busted for or get outed for being a fucking virulent racist. Well, I don't know about virulent, but stupid it might be more like the word for him. You know, because that whole thing was just so fucking stupid. He was the one that was dropping n bombs on the stage, like. Uh, he, no, he, yeah, that's Michael Richards. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Michael he, Kramer. He, yeah. he, he's better, or he's worse than just like, oh, he's just a little bit racist. Like, no, he's bad. Today, boys, we're going to begin talking about one Nikita Khrushchev. Oh, oh shit. Man. This is a good one. I'm here for this. He's got some good quotes, some good, like, telegram quotes. Can we talk about how the UVB 76, the Russian buzzer, is, uh, is making weird noises again? They get was hacked he, again. Was Nikita Khrushchev the one that came to like fucking Publix and lost his mind when he had like a chicken tender sandwich or some shit? No, I think that was uh, <laughs> yeah, Boris. Right. That was Yeltsin. Oh, no, Yeltsin. That was Gorby, yeah, wasn't it? I'd say Boris, Boris Yeltsin, Yeltsin was, was the like one drunk or whatever in the U.S. that one time. Well, well, yes, he he was like a he was a terrible alcoholic for for a number of reasons. I think I'm um, talking about Gorbachev though. But but uh, but Yeltsin was the one where he essentially like broke out of the white house and tried to like go go get pizza or whatever in the middle of the night <laughs> that's fucking awesome oh my imagine God. the secret service like, your bodyguards chasing you like some benny hill shit <laughs> they couldn't find his ass like what well no like they they like got him like soon after he got out but he was like trying to hail a cab oh wait he did get out house. though <laughs> hello i need I need pizza. Hello. Boris Yeltsin is underwear being am, chased down Pennsylvania am, Avenue by the Secret Service. Just the yellow stained whitey tiny. I am he's running. Prime Minister of Russia. I need pizza. Hello. How to hail cab do? Take me to Great American Pizza Parlor at the Pizza Hut. Take me to Pizza Hut or I hear of good things about Sbarro. Sbarro. Um, Elio's pizza, please. <laughs> uh, we uh, we won't talk about it in this episode, but uh, Khrushchev did go to uh, the United States. Um, he did want to go to Disneyland, but he was not allowed to go to Disneyland, um, which he uh, which, which he made like a, a statement about. That's that's pretty funny. Um, but but we'll talk about that when we when we get to his uh, to that point in his life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. 
So uh, Nikita Khrushchev was born on April 15th, 1894, in the village of uh, uh, Klidnovka. Um, which is uh, bro Klitnovka. I'm about to say we can't we can't start with that. Come it's on. totally fine if you fuck every pronunciation up because Russians are bitch. Like, though it's like Klivnovka. Um, Klivnovka, and it is uh, it's it's a village that's located within the uh, the Kursk um, Oblast, and, and Oblast is kind of like a uh, it, it's kind of like a state, um, right. and it's um, and it's located sort of on the border um, between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Um, okay. So, so his uh, his parents uh, were uh, Sergei uh, Khrushchev and uh, Ksenia uh, Khrushchev, um, who themselves were uh, poor Russian peasants, um, and they also had uh, Khrushchev also had a younger sister um, uh, named uh, Irina. Named Irina. Okay. Um, so Sergei was um, he he would be employed um, running a number of jobs within the uh, the Donbass area. Um, of Eastern Ukraine, uh, where currently a lot of the uh, the fighting yeah. is going on between Russia and Ukraine at the moment, um, and um, he worked as a a railway man, a miner, um, and also labored in a, a brick factory. Oh, God damn! So this dude did not have an easy life. Like he wasn't doing like computer programming, just ch- just chilling. He's like actually doing like man work, then mines and everything else. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not these soft pussies that walk around today. He's doing man shit. <laughs> that this is a man whose hands look like they've been calloused by the weight of labor. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> so I, I just want to announce our, our guest star this episode. I know we're going to get canceled for it, but Adam Carolla. Oh God, <laughs> he's going to start going on about how how, oh how how men were mad at, but he's just going to go on a rant about how he installed drywall once in like 1978, and that's why he's <laughs> superior to all these all Dude, these liberals he, with college degrees. He was always so weird on that like Spike TV like Network for Men that show about like remodeling houses or whatever the fuck. What they the would show him like sawing about? one piece of wood to be it. Like that's it. Done. I'm like, "Dude, what?" Yeah, he's a total fucking loser. He's a fucking loser. He's a basically he's like a hacky comedian who like had the whole like male dominated uh bullshit comedy from the 90s. And then uh, he's just upset he can't do that anymore. Do you remember that TV show, The Man Well, actually, show? actually, excuse me. He can do that as, as he, much as he wants, and that's fucking clear, which is why his arguments are all stupid. He, 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 still, he still very much has a career yeah, um, and, lives, and lives, off, lives off wingbat welfare. Yeah, you've been fucking canceled. You, you, you're pretty much well and easily employed, you fucking yeah. asshole. Um, so because wages were much higher in the, uh, the Donbass area, um, uh, Sergey would uh, would would usually work there, um, and uh, leaving his family um, in uh, Klivnica, um, um and then uh, returning, you know, as sort of like in a migrant as a migrant labor whenever he had enough money to like to go home and like give it to the family and they could live off it for a bit. Okay. Um, the village itself was a uh, a peasant uh, village, um, and uh, uh, Khrushchev's uh, teacher uh, growing up, uh, Lydia uh, Shevchenko would later say that she had never seen a village that was as poor as uh, Kulivnica. Um, mm. So uh, uh, Nikita, he would worked as a, uh, a herds boy from an early age. Um, he was schooled for about four years, uh, part in the village school, um, and uh, part under um, uh, the aforementioned uh, Shevchenko um, in, um, in the state school that was located um, in the village. 
Um, according to his memoirs, um, uh, uh, Shevchenko, the teacher, um, she was a, a free thinker um, who uh, who upset the villagers because she did not attend a church. Um, and that when her uh, brother visited, um, he gave uh, Khrushchev books um, that were banned by the imperial government. Do we know what uh, books those are? Or are they just kind of like books that are like produced in Russia and Daniel Russia that we won't, or I'm sorry, the Soviet Union that we wouldn't. Well, well no, this here. is still the Russian empire. Okay. So would it be books that we would know or is it like, no, well, how to grow cabbage? No, this is banned. <laughs> like <laughs> probably, uh, probably sort of like uh, pseudo uh, Marxist literature, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, socialist literature. Um, okay. th- things, things that essentially that the czarist government wished to uh, stamp out. So basically um, no animal farm. <laughs> Two legs good, four legs bad. <laughs> um she would um urge uh for Nikita to seek um to seek uh, higher education, um but uh but due to the uh the how poor his family was, he was unable to do this. Um in nineteen oh eight, um uh, Sergei would move uh to the city of uh Yuzovka, um uh, which is now uh Donetsk in uh, Ukraine, which also is also in the Donbass area. Yeah, yeah, that's being uh, attacked, right? Isn't that like a central city? Well, yeah, the, uh, d- yeah, Donetsk is, um, technically, it's um, part of Russia, because mm-hmm. Russia annexed it. Um, but this is like the industrial heartland of, like, of Ukraine. Um, so Russia, essentially, like, that's one of the reasons why, like, Ukraine's not, like, writing it off, one, because, you know, they were invaded by another nation and they took massive amounts of territory from they also took like the industrial heartland of the country so so it's not exactly uh something you want to like part with yeah (laughs) (laughs) um let's just eliminate the main labor force sure um so uh at the age of 14 uh nikita would uh would follow him um while um while his mother and his sister would come uh, later on now ryan Uh, in in Boston, did they refer to the great work of Orwell as Animal Farm? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering. Four legs good, two legs bad, kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's wicked farm. Now, now you see, they want to turn us all against each other. And that's not how things are. You got to work together. <laughs> yeah, work together. Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> <laughs> That was a little bit too Long Island, but okay, well, I'll accept it. <laughs> it's really hard for us. Um, so, Yusovka, uh, uh, um, the um, the city, like I said, uh, at that time even was one of the most industrialized areas within the Russian Empire. Um, in 1924, um, owing to its importance, it would be renamed uh, Stalino. Um, and in 1961, after de-Stalinization, it would get its modern name of uh, Donetsk. Donix. Um So, uh, after uh, working uh, uh, briefly in a number of fields, um, uh, Khrushchev's parents would find him a place as a metal fitter's apprentice. Um, so, upon completing his apprenticeship, um, he was hired in a factory. Okay. Um, he would eventually uh, lose uh, lose that job when he collected money for the families of victims of the Lena Goldfields massacre, um, and was um, hired to mend underground equipment by a mine in nearby. Uh, uh, Ruchenkova, uh, where his father was a union organizer and he helped distribute copies um, and also organized public readings of the paper Pravda. 
Um, Pravda would go on to be like the main newspaper of like the the Communist Party in the Soviet Union. I've heard of Pravda before. Did we talked about it's it on here? Still there. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's like a tabloid today. It's it's not like a it's not like a respectable paper even within like yeah it's been a tabloid like Russia since, since oh, like, it's the, like the star and shit since like, like the late nineties early two thousand it's like the yeah the star and the sun the UK yeah. sun yeah it was because um, like when um, the Soviet Union collapsed they like sold off all the state <laughs> enterprises uh-huh. um, and then and then so like it, it was just like a fire sale so oh. so people just bought these things up for for uh, nothing okay. Usually, what happened was that the people who were uh, like middle manager people, uh, like Vladimir Putin, uh-huh. uh, they they knew enough about like how the capitalist system worked without um, like wanting to continue the communist system. Um, so they just took advantage of poor people because everybody in Russia was given like stakes and right. these like stake companies and stuff, right. and they would just like, like stakes, like Omaha steaks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They hooked him up with a freezer and a, a subscription plan. Every couple of weeks, they get steaks and frozen chocolate chip cookies. These are good steaks. All right, do you want a New York strip or do you want a filet mignon? Listen, oh. they're all the same. We just cut them up and chop them into slurry and reform as cut. <laughs> what are you, fucking McDonald's making chicken nuggets? <laughs> yeah. making, making the McRib? Yeah, the McRib. <laughs> McRib's literally like any burgers they throw out, fermented, and then cooked on a grill. The McRib is like an, amal- an amalgamation of like six different animals. <laughs> we used to call my buddy Brian McRib because he was only available a limited time because he, he was always out in the army. So it's like it's awesome. Yeah. Um, still on my phone is McRib, actually. <laughs> so when he texts me, it just you're says, like, McRib, hey, what's you're, up, Steve? You're, you're laying so in I'm, bed in the middle of the night, your phone starts ringing, your wife's like, who the fuck, why is a McRib calling you? Fucking McRib sends me a message that says, hey, you want to play Star Control 2? <laughs> is McDonald's calling you right now? Three in the morning? Oh, man. Sorry, baby, when the McRib calls, you got to answer. You don't love McRibs. Khrushchev. Um... <laughs> Uh, Khrushchev would state later on in life that he considered uh, emigrating to the United States for for better money, um, but he uh, obviously did not do so. Um, he would rec- um, he would uh, recall his early life in a speech he gave in Hollywood in the United States, um, which was, "I started working as soon as I learned how to walk. Until the age of fifteen, I worked as a shepherd. I tended, as the foreigners say, uh, when they use the Russian language, the little cows. I was a sheep herder. I herded cows for a capitalist." And that was before I was 15. After that, I worked at a factory for a German, and I worked in a French-owned mine. I worked at a Belgian-owned chemical factory, and now I'm the Prime Minister of the Great Soviet State. And I am in no way ashamed of my past, because all work is worthy of respect. Work as such cannot be dirty. It is only conscience that can be. Huh. So the man is, like, a fan of work, right? Yes, he would. I would. Would he say like he's he's happy to have a job? Well, yeah, I would. I would say that he he just sort of views that like all all labor is, um, you know, worthwhile. I respect that. I respect that as a laborer. Um. So when World War One broke out in 1914, uh, Khrushchev was exempt from conscription uh, because of his uh, skill as a metal worker. Um, he was employed by a workshop that serviced uh, 10 mines, um, and he was involved in several strikes um, during that time period, demanding higher pay, better working conditions, and an end to the war. And they didn't just murder them for that in 1900s Russia? 
Well, well, I'm sure they were pretty vicious in putting down the strikes, but, you know, they they still need people to work, so they're not just going to, like, kill everybody. Leave that one alone. Someone must lift the potatoes. I mean, here in the United States, we firebomb people who are protesting in, like, what, West Virginia about the mines? So I was like, I can't believe Russia wouldn't just flatten them. Well, I'm I'm sure it was... The fucking move bombing. (laughs) Every time someone brings up a bombing, I'm like, the fucking move bombing. Yeah, but Philadelphia I'm, just bombed Rome. Whole neighborhood, whole neighborhood. Fuck it, we're just gonna just wipe everything out, and we'll get them eventually. <laughs> I do refuse to believe they can ever like repay that. No, they can't. <laughs> just unbelievable. Um, in 1914, uh, he would marry uh, uh um, Call her. Pisareva, <laughs> uh, um, who was the uh, daughter. Of a lift operator at the uh Here's what we'll do, Steve. Here's what we'll do. I'm gonna go on Forvo.com and and hire a Russian person. <laughs> We're just to, gonna edit to clips of Russian over person. All the names that you say with I'm just gonna have them do it. <laughs> We're just gonna edit it in too, so it'll be Steve talking and all of a sudden you'll just hear like Khrushchev. <laughs> it's it's yeah. like I like a lower quality mic. <laughs> We'll, uh, no, we'll just get Alina to do it. <laughs> just let her do it. Unbelievable. Um, she was the daughter of a lift operator at the Ruchenkovo uh, mine. Oh, sweet. Uh, Getting that get the gig economy. The lift, the lift operator. <laughs> and then, hey, and I, then need I, a ride. I need a ride to the revolution. You're like going down in the mine. Like They start playing a radio, start talking. You're just like, shut up. I'm just going to work, bro. Just don't talk to me. Just be quiet. I'll give you five stars. I don't care. He has, shut he has the like fuck a, up. He has like a caddy full of like bottles of water and there's <laughs> <laughs> a little plaque on the side of the elevator. I can talk to you if you want or or we can stay quiet. It's up to you. Um in nineteen fifteen, uh they would have a daughter, uh Yulia, and in nineteen seventeen they would um they would have a son named uh, Leonid. Um after the abdication of uh Tsar Nicholas II in nineteen seventeen, um the new uh Russian provisional government was founded in Petrograd um, but it had very little influence over Ukraine. Um, during that time in Ukraine, uh, Soviets uh, or workers' councils began uh, forming throughout the um, throughout Russia, um, and in uh, Ukraine is no different. Um, and it's in this uh, Soviet that, that Khrushchev is elected uh, for the Soviet of uh, Ruchenkovo, and uh, in May he becomes the chairman of the Soviet of uh, Ruchenkovo. Um, he would not join the Bolsheviks until 1918, um, which was the uh, the year that the Russian Civil War starts. Um, and uh, there's uh, there's some debate on why he did this. Um, a, a biographer, uh, William uh, Taubman, suggests that uh, Khrushchev delayed in affiliating himself with the Bolsheviks um, because he was uh, felt more uh, closer aligned to the Mensheviks uh-huh. um, because the Mensheviks were more interested in economic progress. Whereas the Bolsheviks um, sought to just take like uh, total political control over the former Russian Empire and do what with it? Like, what was their end goal? Fuck it all up for sixty years. <laughs> to, Fuck to it f- up, bro. <laughs> Crank that bitch up. <laughs> you know the people that like that like vote for like the chaos in the government. You know, like they just really want things to fail. They they want the government shutdown to happen. Those, Anar- you, know, people, you know the people. I'm, well, they're Republicans now. But, you know, you know the people I'm referring to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's what they did with the government. God, the government. Well, 
Well, they it's, they they kind of did the opposite, which which will we'll we'll, we'll talk about because because Russia before this is is sort of like chaos and very arbitrary. Um, and and while the the Soviet Union itself was very arbitrary, like there was real real material progress and real like material improvement in people's lives. Um, like like a professor of mine. I love who's, how psyched up Steve gets when we talk about like communism and socialism. He's well, like, you know, guys, it was actually like a really good positive to this, you know? <laughs> well, 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 no, there's this whole narrative of like the, the Soviet Union was like complete shit for the entirety of the Soviet Union. Oh, but, no, no, no. I yeah. know that's not true. But, and that's, but, and, I mean, that's bullshit just like every other kind of it, it starts going downhill after uh, Khrushchev, essentially. Yeah, but I mean, like, we know it's fake just like every other kind of like blanket statement, you know, is, is, is bullshit. Like, probably 80, 90% of the people had a really bad time. But like it couldn't all be bad, right? Yeah, um, and and plus two because like what I mean is that like things were so bad in Russia that people lived in like abject poverty. So even with like the brutality of like Stalin, like the people who survived like Stalin's reign tended to look back on it with a bit of fondness and actually like believed it was worthwhile because they went from you know living in like a hut with like with like nothing. To like living in essentially like a standard of living that was the equivalent of like the rest of like the the first world essentially. Yeah. What about the like millions of people that were purged and killed because well, of his government's actions? Well, yeah, Steve. They can't talk. They're dead. <laughs> that's my that's my point. Is send like, him to Siberia. Back, we do not know what he's talking look about. Back Go to on Siberia. Shit fondly in this country too, but it doesn't mean it was good. Yeah, it was good for them. And that's. And, and that's, that's and that's why I don't I never take that shit at face value when they they're like oh yeah it was so much better back then it's like yeah maybe for you um but I I just need to say that you know from to to play like devil's advocate sure. you know if you're coming up in the system um your 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 perception of how things are is going to be very different from somebody in like you know America like pe- people like us who essentially grew up in one of the uh that like the the greatest times of like prosperity and peace for like probably in a long time. That's true. Us, us. Yeah, like our generation have the like the, 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 the United States has been an active war. Yeah, for but what fucking happened to you? Well, I mean, what well, I mean the nineties. I mean, like what, like, what happened to you? Nothing. Because me personally, yeah. My point is, is that like it's it's not as. Um, it's not like you have another country invading or you have like an act of war yeah. or being drafted into it. I'm, We're probably the first generation after the draft that had a relatively peaceful existence. Cuz I mean our existence everything. is peaceful, but we don't live in a peaceful time. Well, well what I mean, sense. what I mean is essentially that you're the way you the way in which our, our standard of living, the the way our lives are which is largely unaffected by the these conflicts, these these forever wars our country gets involved in. Um, that, that throughout our childhoods when, you know, the United States was not in that, uh-huh. you know, throughout the 1990s where, you know, like there was a deficit and there was, there were no wars, you know, it was, it was a level of like unparalleled peace, probably not seen in the world for some time. I just want um, to direct your attention you know, to a little thing called Operation Desert Storm. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I mean, but I mean the difference between your childhood being the nineties and come and see the, yeah. the Soviet film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair. Point taken. <laughs> um, so uh, Khrushchev would say about why he uh, why he waited to to join the Bolsheviks. Uh, he essentially said that because there were so many groups at that time, um, he he said it was difficult to keep them all straight. 
Um, and I kind of believe that because Khrushchev's kind of a dumb guy. Um, I, I would say he's yeah, um, he's street smart. He's not a uh, he's not book smart. He's like an okay. Al Capone figure. Um, in uh, March of 1918, uh, the Bolsheviks. He's Italian, and he's <laughs> the runner of a mob in Chicago. So that's what I was going for. Secret Italian all star. Secret Italian. Nikita put him up. Put put, yeah. put put Khrushchev up on the wall at the the pizzeria next to next to Frankie. And <laughs> Khrushchev was the actual person at the, who at the cast the of the Sopranos. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Um, so in March of 1918, uh, the Bolsheviks, uh, they make their uh, peace treaty with the Central Powers, um, and uh, Germany um, ends up uh, um, occupying uh, Donbass, and it causes uh, Khrushchev to flee back to his home village um, in uh, Klivnica. Um, in, uh, in late 1918, or, um, or around early 1919, um, he's mobilized into the Red Army as a political commissar. Um, so the commissar at this point is a, uh, a post that the Bolsheviks um, had uh, introduced into the Red Army um, to sort of uh, sway uh, influence um, on, um, on on sort of the conduct of the war uh, from worker activists um, to actual uh, military recruits. Um, and it does kind of like the same role as a chaplain, um, but it's um, but in a, in a political nature. Um, okay. so, so their um, their their job is essentially to um, indoctrinate uh, recruits um, into the tenets of um, the the Bolshevik movement, um, and also uh, promoting uh, troop morale and battle readiness. Okay. Um, so he begins as a commissar to a, a construction platoon, um, and he quickly rises to become uh, the commissar to a construction battalion, um, and then was sent. Um, from the front for a, a two month political course. Um, so he's, so he's already on like the fast line to promotion. Gotcha. Um, he would, um, he would get in trouble, um, a number of times throughout the war. Um, and, and also with his, uh, with his troops and, and mainly that had to do with how, like how backwards they were, um, that, that they just didn't really like that. They were culturally backwards being from that, that area of like Russia, Ukraine, uh, right. essentially the, the hinterland. Um, and, and that was mostly what uh, what the problems they had that a lot of the stories had. So like a little bit like redneck kind of. Yeah, like the like the Russian version of like a redneck. Gotcha. Um, in a 19- redneck, I get it. Because <laughs> they're reds. You see what I did there? Yeah. Yep. That was fucking in, masterful. In 1921, uh, the Civil War ends, um, and Khrushchev is is demobilized, um, and he's also assigned. Uh, as a commissar to a labor brigade in the Donbass, uh, where he and his men uh, live under uh, poor conditions, just like everywhere else. In um, this time period. Well, well, it's also too that because of the war, um, it's caused uh, large amounts of like devastation and uh, famine um, throughout a lot of uh, Russia. Um, and uh, one of the people who succumbs um, to this is uh, Khrushchev's wife, uh, Yefrosinia, oh, um, no. who dies of uh, typhus. Uh, while uh, Khrushchev is in the army. Yeah, oh no, it sucks. Yeah. Um, you gotta he be would, careful for the, uh, you know. Gotta watch out for that typhus; it'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> Warhammer's he, a bitch. <laughs> he would uh, return home for the funeral, um, and and loyal to his uh, to the Bolshevik principles of atheism, he refused to allow his wife's coffin to enter the local church. What? 
Um, so uh, because uh, the only way into the churchyard was through the church itself, um, he had the coffin lifted and passed over the fence um, into the burial ground, which shocked the village. Wait, 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 wait. Back up, back up. He's such a fucking atheist that he will not walk his wife's coffin through a church so that he can bury it outside, like, on the church grounds? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, he has them pass it over the fence. Dude doesn't fucking play, bro. So they put to... Can you imagine this this fucking Three Stooges shit? Like, six dudes trying to pass a coffin that is not light, along with a fully grown human inside over a... Dude, what the fuck? It's definitely not light. I've been in Paul Bear a few times. It's not light. I, but I feel like it's just like it, it's just optics at that point. Like, dude, just walk to the fucking church. You're not like stopping. I'm, you're not praying. Like, well, what the fuck? well, well. First, Ryan, it doesn't matter. You know, if the if she if her body was fall out of the coffin, because you know they they don't got no souls. Got no souls. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter if we let them coffin flop because they ain't got no souls. And and hopefully she wasn't naked. You know, one in three are naked. Jesus Christ. Um. So through uh through his connections to a friend. Uh, Khrushchev was assigned in 1921 as assistant director for political affairs uh, uh, for the Rachinkovo mine, um, where, where he had worked previously. Um, the area itself, there were very few Bolsheviks. Um, and at that time, uh, the, the Bolsheviks were split between Lenin's uh, new economic policy, which allowed for um, some, uh, some private enterprise to happen. Um, and was seen uh, by uh, the other side of the Bolsheviks as being like an ideological like retreat from their principles. Okay. Um, so while Khrushchev was uh, mainly dealt in political affairs, um, he involved himself uh, involved himself in the uh, resuming uh, full production of the mine, uh, which had not been working fully uh, uh, during the war. Uh huh. Um, so he would help restart the machines, um, uh, which uh, some of the key parts and and uh, sort of materials for the machines had been removed by the uh, mine owners. Um, from before the uh, the Soviets took over, uh-huh. um, and he would also uh, wear his old uh, mine outfit when he did inspection tours. Right. Um. So Khrushchev going in here, it, he makes he's very successful at the mine, and in uh, mid nineteen twenty two nineteen twenty two, he's offered the directorship of a nearby mine, um, the uh, Pastukov uh, mine. Um, however, he refused the offer. Um, seeking to be assigned to the newly established technical college um, in Yuzovka, uh, uh, those uh, those superiors were reluctant to let him go. Okay. Um, because he had only had four years of formal schooling, he applied uh, to their training program, um, um, which was attached to the um, to the college, and it was designed to bring un- undereducated students to a high school level, and which was also a prerequisite for entering into um, the uh, the school itself, the college. Uh, so, so he essentially gets his like early 1900s version of like a GED. Okay. All right. Um, so while he's while he's uh, studying there, um, he also continues to work at the at the mine. Um, one of his teachers would later describe him as a poor student, um, uh, but he was uh, successful in advancing the Communist Party in the region. Um, and soon after his admission in August 1922. He was appointed party secretary of the of the entire school and became a member of the uh, the bureau, which was the governing council um, of the party committee for the town of uh, Yuzovka, um, which again becomes uh, Donetsk. Okay. 
Um, he uh, he briefly uh, was a supporter of Leon Trotsky, um, but uh, he would. <laughs> but like everyone, who was briefly a supporter of Leon Trotsky. It was only very brief. Um, but but he would um, but he would switch over um, to Joseph Stalin. Um, so because he was uh, busy working on all these um, all these other like political activities and running all these things, um, he doesn't have a lot of time for schoolwork. Now, why did he switch to Stalin? Uh, I, I think it was mainly that um, he he sort of saw that um, probably saw the writing on the wall. He wanted to like go a with lot a of winning people. team. Because <laughs> um, remember, Stalin's also uh, switches like how he thinks things should be done. Because um, initially, he he sort of goes with uh, one uh, uh, one sort of idea, like he's sort of like pro the NEP, and then and then he sort of switches over to more like the uh, what eventually becomes like Stalinism, the more uh, conservative. Um, faction he saw that mustache and he just couldn't resist mm. stalin's mustache excuse me he saw joseph stalin's it mustache is a just good the power stash. it is the, a good stash it just emanates from his upper lip he, yeah you know, couldn't say no to that we're not really sure if he finished his studies at the school um he he said he definitely that didn't then you know because um he had very little time for for schoolwork um and while he said he had finished um we we have no proof that he actually did I mean, look, it's so much less violent now because I did, I used to tell my teachers I didn't have time for schoolwork and uh, they didn't beat the shit out of me, you know? <laughs> you clearly didn't go to Catholic school. <laughs> I did go to Catholic school. They couldn't beat the shit out of you anymore. It was oh. great. God damn it. It's Vatican II strikes again. I told you, the nun like put me up against the blackboard one time. She had a fraternity battle on the front called the Ouch Stick. And she said she was going to get me with it, and I just was such a pain in the ass. And uh, she put me up in front of the classroom, and she went one, two, and then she just, like, patted me on my butt and sat me down. But it scared the shit out of me. Scared the fucking <laughs> life out of you, bro. I thought I was about to get just wailed on, you know? Um, according to the biographer uh, William Taubman, um, a lot of Khrushchev studies were aided by one Nina Petrovna um, Kukarchuk. Blavatsky. Um, <laughs> Are we going to do an episode on Helena Blavatsky? I mean, Madame Blavatsky. I mean, what hasn't been said, you know? <laughs> She's a fucking character. Anyway, um, who was a uh, well-educated party organizer um, and a daughter of uh, a well-to-do uh, Ukrainian peasants. Um, the The family was poor, according to her um, own recollections. Um, the two would live together as husband and wife for the rest of uh, Khrushchev's life, um, though they uh, they never registered their marriage. They would have uh, three children together, um, a daughter uh, named Rada, who was born in 1929, a son, Sergei, who was born in 1935, and a daughter, Elena, who was born in 1937. Um, in mid-1925, uh, Khrushchev is appointed the party secretary of the Petrovo uh, Marinsky uh, Rykom, um, which is uh, which is a term for like a district uh, near um, what what was now uh, Stalino. Um, the the Rykom was, was every time it, you say Stalino, I think he's going to like some town in like central Italy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get some good quality again, oil. Again, Russia, I go to I go to Italy now. Now we have now we have Khrushchev again, secret Italian. I can start that conspiracy TikTok. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, so a, a RICOM is about a, a thousand square kilometers, 
Um, so about uh, 400 square miles. Um, and uh, Khrushchev would uh, be uh, constantly on the move throughout his um, throughout the RICOM, um, just just getting involved in like everything. Um, and in 1925, he's elected a non-voting delegate to the 14th Congress of the uh, the Soviet Communist Party in Moscow. Um, so uh, that that's sort of like essentially like the equivalent of like the the Congress. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's sort of like the the Communist Party body that that sort of runs and and usually signs off on the rubber stamp of of everything that the uh, Politburo does. Yeah, go ahead, do it. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds very communisty. Um, in 1917, um, Khrushchev uh, uh, met uh, Lazar uh, Kaganovich. Bob, Bob Lazar. Yeah, Bob Lazar. <laughs> and He's, the two of them searched for UFOs on the weekend. He has nitro burning funny car. Tells me he sees UFO in local base. <laughs> <laughs> Says he sees gray alien. I don't know about you, but I believe him. Hook, line, sinker. <laughs> what are they hiding from us? <laughs> what are they hiding from us? Um, what did they know and where did they know it? <laughs> oh my God. When did Arnold get here? I don't know, man. I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's a little, a little red heat. In 1925, uh, Kaganovich, he became the party head in Ukraine, um, and uh, he would... Um, and, and Khrushchev, who who already knew him and had come um, sort of under his patronage, was was uh, rapidly promoted. Um, he would be uh, appointed second in command of the party apparatus in 1926. That that's Kaganovich, um, and within nine months, his uh, superior uh, Konstantin uh, uh, Moisenyenko uh, was ousted, uh, which. Um, which, according to uh, the biographer, please moisten Yanko, please. Uh, according to Tom, <laughs> uh, according to Tomman, was due to uh, uh, Khrushchev uh, working for it. Hmm. Um, so uh, Kaganovich uh, uh, transferred uh, uh, Khrushchev to uh, Kharkov, uh, which was then the capital of Ukraine, um, as the head of the organizational department of the Ukrainian Party Central Committee. So he essentially gets like put up in the like the state government of of Ukraine. To oh. me like Kaganovich sounds like something I would say to like people in Russia like guys I'm Kaganovich. <laughs> you know what I mean when I'm leaving, you say? <laughs> I get it. I get what you're putting down. <laughs> Ryan's like what the fuck are you? Oh, when you leave. When you leave, Kaganovich. <laughs> Just call me Kaganovich, because I'm out of here, folks. Bye bye. Oh my god! In 1928, uh, Khrushchev was transferred to uh, Kiev, uh, where he served as the the head of the Another organizational Ukrainian department, city. Uh, second in command of the part of uh, making him the second in command of the the party there. Um, in 1929, he um, he would again uh, seek higher education. Um, and followed uh, Kaganovich, um, who was now uh, working in the Kremlin, um, he would go to Moscow and then enroll in the Stalin Industrial Academy. Um, Khrushchev uh, would never uh, complete his studies there, um, but his um, his career in the party would, would flourish being in Moscow and close to Kaganovich. Okay. Um, so when the school's party selected a number of, um, of sort of writers to an upcoming uh, district party conference... Uh, the cell was attacked in Pravda. Um, and uh, Khrushchev 
would use this to emerge um, in the power struggle that resulted uh, becoming party secretary for the school and arranging for the delegates to be withdrawn and afterward uh, purging them uh, from the school. I have a stupid question. Is is Pravda just St. Petersburg? No, Pravda Pravda means truth. Oh, what's uh, or okay? It didn't St. Petersburg go by a different name? It sounded like Pravda or Provo no, like right right now it's Leningrad, or I should say at this time period in Russia it's Leningrad. It's it's it's, uh, it's a it's its name in Russian is uh, Petro- Petrograd. Huh. Its name Petrograd. in Russian is Petrograd. Yeah. Petrograd, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah. So it's like an Istanbul, not Constantinople type deal? Um, they, they generally go with... Um, it, it was changed to Petrograd after the czars were deposed. because Why'd they, they change it? Because it was a... Because uh, uh, St. Petersburg is the, uh, is the... is like a German name. Oh, I just thought it's, they liked it better that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, he's good, kids. When I said, when I said, why they change it, I I swear to God, I was like, dude, if he says, well, I don't know. (laughs) Man. I was just going to take the fuck off. (laughs) Just start start yelling, lick my balls. Lick my balls. (laughs) Who's D's? DN? Who's that? (laughs) You just just do the, the Dr. Manhattan Rorschach. Like Who's Steve Jobs? <laughs> Steve Jobs. Um, so, because uh, Khrushchev, um, he he's rising in the ranks. Um, he would um, he would eventually um, become the party leader for the uh, Bauman district, which is where the academy was, uh, before taking the same position in uh, Krasno Prensky district, um, which was so successful with all this um i think it's just the fact that um it, it's a very like top-down system and, and that he's just showing himself to be capable enough that, that he's getting promoted mm. he's brown nosing enough that they're saying this guy could really suck up so we can probably control him and ask him to do whatever the fuck we this, want this is this is literally like a, like an arbitrary system where like someone can just say like i don't like you anymore you're you're fired this guy's taking your job Oh, you mean like at will employment? Oh, you mean like the United States? Oh, <laughs> well, well, no, people are actually getting promoted. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in uh, in 1932, uh, uh, Khrushchev would become a second in command behind uh, Kaganovich of the uh, of the uh, party organization of uh, Moscow City, and in 1934. He became party leader for the city and a member of the party's central committee. Um, so uh, he, Khrushchev attributed this to his acquaintance with a fellow academy student, um, uh, Nadezhda um, Aulieva, um, who was um, Stalin's that wife. Good. That sounded good that time. I don't, that know if that's, I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but it, you, you really went into it. It was good. I probably didn't slur enough because, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't. We can't have fuck on a Monday. I mean, <laughs> what are we Russian over here? Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, it's your birthday, birthday boy. How Thanks, old buddy. are you? Uh, too fucking old. Thirty-seven. Oh, I guessed it. I was right. <laughs> when you went, reason, to, I thought I was a year older than you. When you went AFK for a second, I said, "I, I wonder how old he is." Oh, he's probably thirty-seven. Steve 37. thought you were thirty-six. 
37. Oh, why? Because I'm act like a fucking child? I'm the old <laughs> one, I guess. I'm 41. Old fuck. Yeah. You old bastard. Yeah. I don't feel it, though. I don't, nah, feel, I don't, feel, I don't like feel any older than 25, really. I only feel like I'm 37 for the first, like, half hour that I'm awake every day when my body's still, like, creaking and cracking and stiff and sore. I'm just like, oh, fuck. I, dude, I, I don't get that anymore. Like, I, uh, I get it sometimes if it's really cold, you know, because mm-hmm. you're never going to avoid that. Right. But ever since I, uh, I, I know you guys are going to hate me for saying this, but ever since I stopped drinking... I hate and, you. Just uh, stop. <laughs> Just and stop I started talking. taking magnesium glycinate before I go to bed, and uh, I sleep like a baby, man. It's weird. Mm. See, I started taking some magnesium citrate before bed, and yeah, I was up all night shitting shit myself. <laughs> yeah. If some people do that, apparently, because, like, it's not, um, I guess it's not laxative at that dose, maybe, but... You can know. buy a bottle of mag citrate oh, yeah, it's at, Walmart. at like CVS for like a dollar. And so yeah, that's why people crush use it, it and it's incredibly effective. Put it, no, it's just put a, it in your it, best friend's flower jar. You don't even have to crush <laughs> it up. It's just, it's just water. It, you looks, wanna, it tastes like you lemon piss juice. piss a baker off? Just take that mag citrate and crush it up and put it in their flower and mix that around. They'll but never like, know it was there. For literally like a dollar fifty, you can't get a better, um, a better laxative. If you drink... Yeah, like, it's good. If you just chug half that bottle, like yeah. just put it down, just get a book and go in your bathroom, and you'll feel better. You will. It's going to work. But. Anyway, this has been the Poop Corner with Ryan. Hey, just um, skip that skip that pussy Phillips shit. That shit doesn't work. So while while Khrushchev uh, would um, <laughs> while Khrushchev would say, uh, say that uh, Aulieva, um spoke well of him to, uh, to Stalin, um, a biographer, William Thompson, he, he doesn't think that this would play a big role in... Um, in sort of his rise, because um, he wasn't uh, high, he was too low in the party hierarchy um, to enjoy uh, patronage from Stalin. Um, but it's most likely that uh, that it came from uh, Kaganovich. Okay. Um, so while uh, while he was the head of the Moscow City Organization, um, Khrushchev it definitely came from Kaganovich because you know. It has to be past tense because he's Kaganovich. He's gone. <laughs> well, there, there's a reason why he probably downplays uh, Kaganovich, which we'll get to. Um, Dude, but- by the way, by the way, Ryan, my brother called me uh-huh. like uh, the other day, and all he called me to tell me was that. Uh, just outside his house, he thought he heard a noise, and it sounded distinctly like two invisible dogs fighting. <laughs> And I'm not even joking. He literally called me. And now he says it almost every single time I talk to him. Oh, my God. Excellent. It's great. Hey, did you hear that? What? It sounded like two invisible dogs fighting. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Son of a I bitch. I come bring gift of warming of house. I find two invisible dogs fighting. <laughs> now that was good. Um, uh, so while he's the head of the Moscow City Organization... Um, Khrushchev would be uh, superintendent for the construction of the Moscow Metro, uh, which was a um, which was like an extremely expensive, uh, very big project um, that uh, Kaganovich had overall charge of. <laughs> Why do like the first thing you just said like uh, what was it? You said he was uh, in charge of the Metro, right? Yeah. And all I heard was. Uh, <laughs> like a man in Russian going, I remember a feeling coming over me. <laughs> sing, oh, bro, sing that was fucking good. You could sing in a Russian accent. That was that was honestly <laughs> impressive. Holy I just shit. heard like Boris Yeltsin from The Simpsons singing The Metro by Berlin. <laughs> that was like, perfect, though. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, I'll, I can't wait to hear it when I edit. <laughs> um, 
So while the uh, the opening date had been uh, announced as being November 7th um, uh, of 1934, um, which was uh, fastly approaching, uh, Khrushchev uh, would take uh, more risks in the uh, in the construction um, and would spend a lot of his time down in the tunnels trying to ensure that the project finished on time. You ever get mad when someone says fastly approaching? Like, it's going the same rate it's always been going, you know? Um, okay. <laughs> but um, but while this would cause uh, accidents to occur, uh, these were often depicted as um, as heroic sacrifices uh, for the Soviet cause. Uh, of course. Uh-huh. Um, the Metro would not open until May 1st, 1935, um, but Khrushchev would still re- uh, receive the Order of Lenin uh, for his role in the construction. Uh, the Order of Lenin's like the the Medal of Honor, isn't it? Like, for, like citizens, no. though? That's it, the Order of Lenin's, like kind of like the Congressional Medal of Freedom. It's like a, it's more of like oh, a worthless. civilian medal. Okay. Gotcha, worthless. Um, so uh, later that year, he was selected as first secretary of the Moscow Regional Committee, uh, which was uh, responsible uh, for the uh, Moscow Oblast, um, which uh, which had a population of around eleven million. So, what does the first secretary actually do? Like, I'm assuming he's not secretary, like, sitting there on the computer, answering phones, taking notes. Like, what is a first secretary? Like, what are you doing? He's he's kind of like almost the equivalent of like a governor. OK, because it's it's like a municipality and, and he's essentially like um, he's, he's essentially uh, uh, the representative, like, I guess. Well, well, he's just sort of managing it. OK, because um, there, there are multiple positions. I believe as being like because it's like secretary in the party uh-huh. of like the Communist Party. Mm. Um, so so he's like the person who actually like like signs off on decisions and stuff like that. And when he's ah, not doing sure. that, he's riding on the metro. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we know from uh, Stalin's uh, office records that he met Khrushchev as early as 1932. Um, they would build a good relationship uh, between each other. Uh, Khrushchev uh, greatly admired um, Stalin um, and treasured their um, his, his informal meetings with him um, and invitations to visit Stalin's dacha. Uh, while uh, while Stalin uh, 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 felt uh, good about uh, Khrushchev as well. So they had yeah. dachas going back to then. A uh, dacha? Yeah, it's dacha. I think. I think it's dacha. Is it? Oh, uh oh. But, but anyway, yeah, they had those going back that far. Like, yeah, they had them. They had them during like the empire. Ah, okay. Because I know, like, they talk about Putin's all the time. Yeah, because because um, like Stalin has like a dacha and stuff, and like like because that's where they busted or, or that should that's where they took hostage. Um, Gorbachev was at his dacha. Um. So beginning in in 1934, uh, Stalin begins the Great Purge. Um, and, and during which, you know, many are persecuted, executed, or sent to the Gulag. Um, a, a central part of this campaign is the Moscow Trials, uh, which are the, the show trials which we've discussed previously when we discussed um, such figures as uh, Trotsky. Uh-huh. Um, in 1936, uh, as the trials proceed, um, uh, Khrushchev would support the, uh, the trials. Um, he would say of them, everyone who rejoices in the successes achieved in our country, the victories of our party led by the great Stalin, will only one word uh, will find only one word suitable for the mercenary fascist dogs of the Trotskyite Zinoviite gang, 
The word is execution. Oof. Oof. Uh, uh, Khrushchev would assist in the purge of many friends and colleagues within the Oblast. Um, of the 38 top party officials in Moscow City um, and the province, uh, 35 were killed. Uh, the three survivors were transferred to other parts of the Soviet Union. Of the 146 party secretaries of the cities and districts outside Moscow City and the province, only 10 survived the purges. Only 10? Jesus Christ. Um, in his memoirs, uh, Khrushchev noted that almost everyone who worked with him was arrested. Um, by party protocol, uh, Khrushchev was required to approve these arrests and did little uh, to nothing to uh, to save uh, his friends and colleagues. Damn, so he was a cold motherfucker. Um, uh, political party leaders were given uh, numerical quotas of quote-unquote enemies to be turned in and arrested. Look, there has uh, to be at least this many enemies. I've been out there. Uh, <laughs> you, you joke, but in June of 1937... No, uh, I'm definitely th- serious. The, the Politburo set a quota of 35,000 enemies to be arrested in Moscow province. 5,000 of these were to be executed. Wait, wait, did they give them names? Or did they just say, you just need to go arrest this many people? Well, they're just like, we need names. And maybe the, maybe the, uh, the NKVD probably has like names of people. Um, and, and they're just sort of picking up people who are like naming people. So what I'm saying is you say a quota of 35,000 enemies to be arrested. Does that quota mean there's 35,000 names? Or did that quota mean, hey, listen, there's about 35,000 assholes that you'll need to go pick up and uh, kill uh, like a sixth of them or something? Oh, it doesn't matter. Like, it was, do it they was, have a list or not is what I guess what I'm asking. Well, well they, they, don't have a, they don't have a list. They, they have a they, – I should say they have an empty list that needs to be filled out. They, they say like oh things are they have things the aren't working. Of a list, they have a piece of paper with nothing on it. Well, it, well it's numbered, Steve. That's oh, it's a numbered <laughs> piece of paper with nothing next to the numbers. And Number one hundred. Come on down. Kill. If they're supposed to execute five thousand of those, it's just oh, just oh, just pick five thousand. That's fine, right? Is that what you're saying? Like there wasn't like specific people that they wanted executed. No, they're they're just essentially telling you like. You know, we we you need to you need to get those sales, and by sales, I mean you need to you need to get us thirty five thousand political prisoners. Jesus fucking Christ, dude! Oh, um, man, you remember the good times back when they rounded up thirty five thousand random people that they called prisoners? <laughs> those were the good times in Russia. Oh, well, a, a lot of these people too are party members, which will come back. Mm. Um, so, um, in, in reply to this uh, request, uh, Khrushchev asked. Um, to instead uh, have 2,000 wealthy peasants, um, or, or what were referred to as kulaks, uh, living in Moscow, um, be killed as part of the, the quota instead. Just arbitrarily? Uh, it, it's sort of... Sort, yeah, just, just to sort of take these, um, these, these somewhat um, undesirables, I guess you could say, uh, within Soviet society and exchange them instead of, instead of having to pick out you know, party members. Yeah, you guys think you have it good, but they took two thousand of my neighbors once, and it was great. I remember back then <laughs> they just took them, killed them. Jesus, um, in, never to be seen again. Um, in no uh, seriously, like I'm actually, I need more information about that. I'll have to look it up if you're not sure. But like, was there any, any like attempt to filter who they were taking, like? Well, they, like, they do like they do like genocide. Like, no, it's it's they, they run through it. it. Technically, it can't be genocide. Um, but 
they, they're they're just running through like the names of people like essentially like well well I heard so and so said like he didn't like Stalin so he's on the list you know so you, I heard so you, so you I, kill him based on just hearsay well well no that that's that's another thing too is that they're they're not they're they're not killing the majority of them you just said that Stalin wanted to take two thousand kulaks and just just kill them no no Khrushchev Khrushchev said as part of the five thousand. Um, that if he could take them instead of, you know, party members, because okay. essentially what Stalin's saying is that essentially what this is boiling down to, among other things, is that they're essentially saying that, like, things aren't working. And the reason why they're not working is because people are sabotaging the, the Soviet Union from inside. All um, I can and- see is Vincent Gambino being like, all right, I'm an attorney. My counter offer <laughs> to your five thousand. That's two thousand kulaks. Well, because because well, like the of the thirty five thousand of of those um, of those thirty thousand that were not slated to be executed in the original number, um, the majority of them would probably live. Because um, that's the thing about like the 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 gulags is that which sort of separates like like Stalin and 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 sort of like Hitler from each other is that people people came back from the gulags. Um, people didn't come back from like the extermination camps. Like the the idea of the camps was not to like like execute people. It's just that they're going to put these people in like hard labor camps. I thought the gulags were once you're there, you're gone. You're not coming. Well, home. no, because like because to not to spoil things, but Khrushchev closes down the gulags and and okay. people come home. Yeah, the gulags it, are more of a Stalin thing, right? Well, well yeah. This this is that. But that that's where those like thirty thousand people that they're requesting are, are going. And, it, and it's generally like you go there um, and there are ways that you could you could get out as well. Um, some people had um, shorter sentences yeah. um, during World War Two. Um, some people, if they, they went into like the penal battalions and stuff like that, they could get um, they could get let out early. Um, so it, it's sort of like the um, it, it's it's sort of just like political prisoners as opposed to like like an extermination camp. I was going to say, like, I mean, I've read uh, Solzhenitsyn, and uh, um, I've read about gulags before, and and I don't even know if you can really compare the two. I mean, people died in the gulags, absolutely, but the other ones, I don't even know if it's, like, an apt comparison, right? Yeah, but but that's... Because, like, the extermination camps were literally that. They were extermination camps. They were sent there Yeah, but, but, but but the issue is, especially, like, today, is that, like a lot of people make the unnuanced argument that they are the same. And you know, that like, like Stalin was worse than Hitler, um, which a lot of this is not to say like, Oh, you know, like, mm. like not to say Stalin was good, but a lot of this just seems to be to rehabilitate like the Nazis and Hitler saying like, Oh, you think they were bad. It's the communists the who are the real bad yeah. one. Let's, let's stop talking about the Nazis and what they did. Let's just, let's just talk about what Stalin and Mao did. So I never was under the impression that the extermination camps and the gulags could even be, you know, even talked about in the same sentence with regards to how similar they were. I was always under the impression that the gulags were the, hey, you fucked up, you're going to prison, you're going to work camp for the rest of your life. Not necessarily like you're going to be exterminated, but no, you're just going to go to prison basically and just, and just work and you're not going to see your family ever again. Yeah, it, it depended. Subtle, subtle, but a nuanced difference. It, it depended and stuff too. Like, like, there's a statistic that that sort of blew my mind when they pointed out is that um, the the amount of people that were um, imprisoned in the gulags during the during the Great Purge is about like equivalent to the number of people that lived under the bondage of the Catholic Church in Ireland around this time period. 
and like Magdalene and, and like Magdalene laundries and like and like the the boarding schools that they put orphans and other people. Like if you look at percentages of the population, it's about like the equivalent. What? Jesus. It's not. It's it's Christ. like because remember I'm saying the percentage of the population. Right, right. right. Not, yeah, not that know. the numbers are equal, but but when you consider it, it's like it it's still pretty bad. But it's like yeah, yeah. Th- this 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 type of thing is happening in a lot of places. That's okay. That's nuts. Um, All right. But but what ends up happening is um, uh, two weeks after receiving the Politburo order, um, Khrushchev reports to Stalin that he has 41,305 criminals and Kulak elements um, that have been arrested. And he says of them, about 8,500 deserved executions. Well. Um, and and this will... Okay, never Well, I was going to say, how do you come to that conclusion? But okay, never mind. Um, and we'll... Uh, we'll 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 sort of get to this as well because it's because uh, remember um, Khrushchev is the one who like decries the the purges uh, later on during the secret speech, right? Um, so uh, Khrushchev realized as well that he himself was not immune from the purges, and in 1937 he confesses um, to his own um, his own sort of like um, his own sort of like following of Trotskyism um, in 1923 to Toganovich. Um, um, who, uh, um, who, who sort of like after hearing this, um, advised him not to tell Stalin because he was just like, "What? Why the hell are you telling me this? Like, like just shut up." Right. Um. Um. But uh, the uh, Stalin. Lawyer, uh, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't be here in this. <laughs> um. But um. Uh, I'm gonna, Stalin. I'm going to go ahead and Taganovich. I'm out of here. Um. But uh, Stalin, uh, hearing this though. Um, he, after, after first telling Khrushchev to keep quiet, um, suggests that Khrushchev, uh, tell his tale to the Moscow party conference. Um, and, um, and after doing this, uh, to, uh, to applause, he was immediately reelected to his post. Wow. Um, and that, uh, Khrushchev related in his memoir as well, that he was also denounced by an arrested colleague. Um, uh, Stalin told Khrushchev of this accusation personally, uh, looking him in the eye and awaiting his response. Uh, Khrushchev speculated in his memoirs that Stalin had doubted his reaction, or that if he had doubted his reaction, uh, he would have been uh, categorized as an enemy of the people uh, then and there. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Khrushchev became a candidate member of the Politburo on January 14, 1938, and a full member on March 1939. Um, so he's now become like one of the highest ranking people in like the Soviet government. He's like he's sort of like in the inner circle that. Um, that, that like does everything right um in 1937 uh, stalin would appoint uh, khrushchev as the head of the communist party in ukraine um and um khrushchev would leave for uh, ukraine in uh, january of 1938 um and um in arriving in ukraine he had found that it had been the site of extensive purges um and that uh, some of those who had been executed were professors in uh stalino who uh, Khrushchev had greatly respected. So there's the flip right there. If you say that, you know, later on he's going to, you know, be, like, sorry about the purges or denounce well, the purges. There it is right there. As people he respected were murdered in the purges, and that's going to flip the switch. Well, well I'm sure because they, like, all these, like, a lot of the people are getting purged in the show trials and stuff. Like, like he knows these people. Like, he, he lives in, like, apartment buildings with these people. Um, yeah. So... He like. Hey, he, uh, Nikita, you sure not, we're not getting purged tomorrow? I I swear to God, you're, you're <laughs> going to be fine. 
I, I swear to Lenin. <laughs> um, but the uh, the purges were so extensive as well in the high-ranking um, stations within the Communist Party of Ukraine that the uh, the Central Committee of um, of the Communist Party in Ukraine uh, was unable to convene a quorum because they didn't have enough members. Okay. Um, but after uh, Khrushchev arrives, um, uh, the pace of arrests in Ukraine accelerate. Um, all but uh, one member of the Ukrainian uh, Politburo uh, Organizational uh, Bureau and Secretariat were arrested. Um, almost all uh, government officials and Red Army commanders were replaced. Um, and uh, during the first few months after Khrushchev's arrival, um, almost everyone arrested received the death penalty. And under whose like rule is that? Uh, Khrushchev's. Yeah. But I mean, like that's his rule to make that you're getting the death penalty. Yeah, because he's because he's essentially the the governor of of Ukraine right now, and so he he essentially says like I'm the governor. Know, yeah, but you don't have to kill everybody. Oh, bro, ew. Um, uh, uh, William Tobin, the biographer, suggested that it was because um, uh, because uh, Khrushchev was again unsuccessfully denounced while he was in Kiev, um, that he must have known um, that uh, that some of the denunciations uh, were not true. And that innocent people were also suffering. Yeah, he fucking knew. What, are you crazy? Um, in 1939, he addressed the 14th Ukrainian Party Congress, saying, Comrades, we must unmask and relentlessly destroy all enemies of the people. Um, but we must not allow a single honest Bolshevik to be harmed. We must conduct a struggle against slanderers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, when uh, Soviet troops... Um, as part of the uh, Molotov uh, Ribbentrop Pact, invaded the eastern portion of Poland on September 17, 1939. Uh, Khrushchev accompanied the troops at Stalin's direction. Um, a large number of ethnic Ukrainians uh, lived in the invaded area, um, and much of which is um, uh, today part of uh, western Ukraine. Huh. Um, uh, many of the inhabitants, uh, therefore, uh, were initially receptive of the invasion, uh, though they hoped that they would eventually become independent. Um, uh, Khrushchev's role was to ensure that the occupied areas uh, voted uh, for union with the Soviet Union. Um, so through a combination of uh, propaganda, um, deception as to what was being voted for, um, and uh, fraud, the, the Soviets ensured that the, uh, the assemblies elected in the new territories uh, voted uh, unanimously in their petition uh, for union with the Soviet Union. Can you imagine being the one guy who, like, votes against that? <laughs> just doesn't show up ever again. Nobody ever sees him again. <laughs> what happened to Gary? <laughs> uh, we have not seen him. He devoted that he didn't want to go well, be one with the USSR, and uh, he, says, he just went away. He, he just he moved. Says, he, <laughs> he, says, he says no, and then as as he says no, he just disappears, and his, uh, his like, Cossack hat just spins in the air and falls <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> Some fucking Looney Tunes shit. Um, so when the uh, when the new assemblies did this, uh, their petitions were granted by the by the um, by the Supreme Soviet of the Soviet Union, and Western Ukraine became a part of the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic on November first, nineteen thirty nine. Um, so a, a lot of um, and a lot of what what goes on to um, sort of begin what's going on in Ukraine right now begins during this period as well. Um, because of the uh, 
the the Soviets uh, they uh, clumsily uh, staffed uh, Western Ukrainian organizations with Eastern Ukrainians um, and gave confiscated land to the collective farms, uh, the the Kolkhozes, uh, rather than to peasants, which soon alienated Western Ukrainians, damaging uh, Khrushchev's efforts to achieve unity. Are the Kolkhozes from Eastern Ukraine, like the same people who went in there and and staffed all the stuff in Western Ukraine? Well, 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 essentially what it is is because remember they're they're under Poland, um, so Poland's under like a military dictatorship. It's it's I, I guess it's technically a sham democracy, um, but but it's sort of like an authoritarian system where they have like like private private property and and sort of like landlords and stuff like that, okay. um, and then so they eventually. Um, what what happens is that they, they come in, it's like, all right, you're in the Soviet Union now, and then they just take all the peasants' lands, they collectivize it, um, they bring in people from eastern Ukraine who had been living under the Soviet Union to, like, run these farms and, and run things. So this alienates the people who were brought in. Gotcha, it, okay. Um, there, there's also some other things, too, between uh, – because uh, uh, eastern Ukraine tends to be more Russian – um, and uh, Western Ukraine tends to be more uh, Ukrainian, um, which is which is why you get like the the sort of like Ukrainian Nazis who call themselves like uh, Galatians. Yeah, isn't that a book of the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, right after uh, 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 Ephesians. No, I mean I'm pretty serious that that's yeah. A book of the well, Bible. let's it, well let's like Galatians like G A L E A. T-A-N-S? And and what I'm saying, like Galatia, like the uh like, or I should say Galicia. Hmm. I, I guess it's it's the it's a it's sort of like a state that existed within like the I guess it was part of the Holy Roman Empire. Um okay. but but just sort of in and also the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth. Um so, so they don't really see themselves as being um like the the same as like like Russians, like they consider themselves different and more westernized. We're better. But it's That's it's so weird. It's, it's just like weird. It's just like weird Nazi shit. But um, <laughs> a, a lot of the times with like like when people bring it up, like like sort of like racialist type type talk. Uh huh. I'm I'm better than you because arbitrarily well, I'm just from some random place and you're well, not. That's so well, fucking stupid. Well, well, to go back to some of our talk before when we talked about sort of like the conspiratorial thinking in Russia is that um, the the Russian Nazis uh, tend to emphasize the fact you know that they're like part Mongol. And and when we talked about like that, like sort of those theories um, of like you know that that Russia is um, is is like against like transatlanticism, uh-huh. which is sort of like the weak Western thing. Well, the um, they 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 sort of believe that th- that them being like having like Mongol descendants or whatever makes them special, whereas like the 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 so called Galatians um, uh, believe the the opposite that that because they're not really they weren't really conquered by the Mongols that they're better. Uh-huh. Yeah, weird. But, but yeah, it's just weird, like, racist shit. Um, so when the, when, the, uh, when the Soviet Union is invaded by Nazi Germany in June of 1941, um, uh, Khrushchev is still at his post in Kiev. Um, uh, Stalin appoints him uh, as a political commissar, um, and Khrushchev would serve on a number of fronts as an intermediary between the local military commanders and the political uh, rulers in Moscow. Um, Stalin would use Khrushchev to keep commanders um, on a on, on sort of like to, to keep them under control tightly, uh, while the commanders um, sought to use um, Khrushchev to influence Stalin. As the uh, Germans are advancing into the Soviet Union, 
uh, Khrushchev works with the uh, military to defend and save Kiev. Um, although handicapped by orders by Stalin um, that um, that he under no circumstances um, abandoned the city, uh, the Red Army would soon be encircled by the Germans. Um, this is sort of like when we um, like, like we talked about um, Semyon Budyuri. Uh-huh. This is this is uh, what he's involved in, where the uh, the Germans would take uh, six six hundred fifty five thousand prisoners, uh-huh. um, and um, and only uh, one hundred and fifty thousand five hundred forty one men out of the original uh, six hundred and seventy seven thousand and eighty five uh, men originally would escape. Interesting. Uh, um, so, primary sources uh, differ on uh, Khrushchev's involvement. Um, according to uh, uh, Marshal uh, Zhukov, um, uh, writing uh, some years later after Khrushchev is fired and disgraced, it's a good beer uh, or, in our or, city, by the way. Or after oh, yeah, they do. after yeah. Khrushchev has him fired and disgraced in 1957, that Khrushchev uh, persuaded Stalin not to evacuate troops from Kiev. Um, uh, however, uh, Khrushchev uh, notes in his memoirs that he and uh, Marshal uh, Budioni. Uh, proposed uh, redeploying Soviet forces to avoid encirclement until Marshal uh, uh, Timoshenko arrived from Moscow with orders for the troops to hold their positions. Um, and uh, an early uh, biographer of Khrushchev, uh, Mark Franklin, suggests as well that uh, Khrushchev's faith in uh, Stalin was shaken by these uh, setbacks. Um, Khrushchev would state in his uh, memoirs uh, but let me return to the enemy breakthrough in the Kiev area, the encirclement of our group, and the destruction of the 37th Army. Later, the 5th Army also perished. All of this was senseless and, from the military point of view, a display of ignorance, incompetence, and illiteracy. There you have the result of not taking a step backward. We were unable to save the troops because we didn't withdraw them, and as a result, we simply lost them, and yet it was possible to allow this not to happen." Jesus. So, I mean, he doesn't sound like he's too happy with Stalin's uh, commanding, we'll call it, his, his his leadership of the battlefield. No strategy. Uh, well, beta well, Joseph Stalin. Well, well, essentially what happens is that when, like, right after they invade, like, like Stalin, like, they, they can't really get anything out of him. And because of the way the command structure exists in the Red Army, you can't do anything unless your commander tells you to. Right, um, like the Germans, where they're like, "Hey, this is your objective. Do whatever the fuck." Yeah, you they do they have an a, do it. they have a mission based um, sort of like command protocol that essentially states because you all have the same military training, you've you've all gone through this that you're given a mission and you need to do what you need to do to accomplish it, and they just let you do it. Whereas, um, whereas in the Soviet Union, like your your mission is this, and you don't deviate from it. And so while people are waiting for the phone call from Stalin, you know the 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 Germans are. Um, are, are making headways into the Soviet Union, um, and they don't want to get like put in front of a firing squad because they chose to act independently. Yeah. Um, so in 1942, uh, Khrushchev is on the Southwest Front, and he and uh, Timoshenko uh, propose a massive counteroffensive in the Kharkov area. Um, Stalin approves the plan, um, but... Um, but they would still need uh, 640,000 uh, Red Army soldiers to become involved in the offensive. Um, the Germans, though, have deduced that the Soviets are likely to attack at Kharkov and set a trap. Um, so on May 12, 1942, 
the Soviet offensive initially appears successful, but within five days, the Germans had driven deep into their flanks and the Red Army troops are in danger of being cut off. Um, Stalin refuses to halt the offensive and the Red Army divisions are soon encircled by the Germans. Oh, shit, uh, womp womp. <laughs> the, the Soviets would lose 267,000 soldiers, including more than uh, 200,000 men captured, and Stalin demoted uh, Tymoshenko and recalled Khrushchev to Moscow. Um, while Stalin had hinted at arresting and executing Khrushchev, he allowed the commissar uh, to return to the front, um, sending him to Stalingrad. Um, Khrushchev reaches Stalingrad in August of 1942, uh, soon after the start of the battle. Um, his role in the battle was not major. Um, a, a general, uh, Vasily uh, Chukov, uh, who led the city uh, defense of the city, uh, mentions uh, Khrushchev only briefly in his memoir, published while Khrushchev was premier. Um, but, um, uh, but to the uh, end of his life, uh, Khrushchev was uh, proud of his role. Um, so I just looked this up because I'd never heard of this before. I look up the Battle of Kharkov, right? Mm-hmm. You had 350,000 men and 447 tanks on the side of the Nazis. While the Soviets were rolling in there with 765,000 men and over 1,000 tanks. And they somehow still fucking lost, bro. They outnumbered them almost three to one. Tanks well, three to one, and they got, still got their fucking shit kicked in. How well, it was this <laughs> superior tactics? Um, they they probably had uh, they, they probably had air superiority. Um, okay, but as somebody who played StarCraft in the early two thousands, Zerg Rush was undefeatable if you had enough of them little fucking Zerglings. Yeah, it doesn't matter how technologically advanced you are, which is the massive amounts of men. At some point, you just can't hold that off. Well, well I think it's the they probably the air superiority things like that. Um, just just different elements. You're you're not considering it's a massive battlefield. But was you know, Zerg Rush really three to one? I mean, like Zerg Rush was way higher ratio than that. Yeah, they were like six to one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think, insanity. and I think that at that point, you, you definitely have what you're describing, which is like an overwhelming advantage. Also, too, let's talk about if we're going to go down that Plus, road. Zerg Rush was only going to be three to one. It would be three to one if you're doing a four pool. If you go for six pool and you got to wait, then you're going to allow the enemy to get up some sort of an army. So either a marine or a zealot, which means that then you have to six to one Bro, because one zealot will take irrelevant. up six. Six. Ryan, guys, I don't. I don't. Khrushchev didn't have micro, so yeah, I don't. <laughs> Ryan, we can we can talk about the Korean War another episode. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh, I thought we were doing Vietnam. I mean, <laughs> that was that was that was a joke about how much they love StarCraft in Korea. It was not. I've 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 already established in our, our chosen reservoir episode that, that the Chinese did not use overwhelming numbers. They used superior tactics, which is another instance as well. Though they did have superior numbers, they they just used better tactics. Oh fuck, that's great. Um, so. Uh, despite uh, visiting Moscow on occasion, uh, Khrushchev spends uh, much of the battle in Stalingrad, um, and he's almost killed at least once. Um, he uh, he proposes a counterattack, only to find that that Zhukov and other generals had already planned what's called Operation uh, Uranus. Um, 
say Uranus. Operation Uranus. Oh, what is the goal to a, relax? We're never going to do anything here. Just say Uranus. Uranus. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> it was a, uh, it, and it was this plan um, to sort of uh, break out of the Soviet positions and circle and destroy home. the Germans. Nah, Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Uranus now. Um, so before they uh, launch the operation, uh, Khrushchev spends uh, a lot of his time checking troop readiness and morale, um, interrogating uh, Nazi uh, prisoners, and also recruiting some for propaganda purposes. Um, soon after the Battle of Stalingrad, um, uh, Khrushchev, uh, his son, uh, Leonid, who was a fighter pilot, uh, was allegedly shot down and killed in action um, on March 11th, 1943. Um we're not entirely sure what happened um, because uh, none of uh, none of the people in his squadron witnessed him being shot down um, and uh, his plane was never found um, or his uh, body recovered. Um, so there's some speculation about what happened to him. Uh, one theory is that uh, he had survived the crash and collaborated with the Germans. Um, uh-huh. And when he was captured by the Soviets, uh, Stalin ordered him shot despite uh, Khrushchev pleading for his life. Uh-huh. Um, this is, uh huh. This is this is used as one of the reasons to explain why Khrushchev uh, later denounced Stalin. Did that um, quick one eighty. He had my kid killed. Uh, so while there's no supporting evidence in the Soviet files, um, some that uh, some historians believe or allege that uh, that Khrushchev's uh, Leonid's uh, file was uh, tampered uh, after the war. Um, in, in later uh, in, in years afterwards, um, Leonid's uh, wingmate stated. Uh, that he saw uh, Leonid's uh, plane disintegrate, but did not report it. Um, uh, the biographer uh, Taubman speculates that this was done to avoid the possibility of being seen as being complicit in the death of a son of a member of the Politburo. Um, in in mid-1943 as well, uh, Leonid's wife, uh, Leoba uh, Kriyosheva, uh, or, or Khrusheva, uh, was... Um, arrested on accusations of spying and sentenced to five years in a labor camp with her son um, from a previous relationship, Tolia, um, who was placed in a uh, series of orphanages. Uh, his daughter, uh, Yulia, uh, would be raised by uh, by Nikita and his wife. Um, so after uh, Uranus uh, breaks the, uh, the, uh, the German siege of Stalingrad... Man... Um, how big is your, you know how big your ass is? It breaks the German siege of Stalingrad. Uranus. I said Uranus. I know, it just that would have been such a good joke. And I'm still disappointed you're saying Uranus and listening to him. Say Uranus. <laughs> um he would be attached to the uh, uh to Soviet troops at the Battle of Kursk in July of nineteen forty three. Uh which is like the which is like the big great uh uh, Soviet offensive of the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he related as well uh, his time there that he had uh, interrogated an SS defector, uh, learning that the uh, Germans intended uh, an attack, um, uh, sort of like playing into that he was involved in the success of the battle. Um, but uh, biographers such as uh, Taubman believe that this is most likely an exaggeration. Um, he accompanied Soviet troops when they took Kiev in November of 1943, um, entering the city as they drove the Germans out. Um, uh, Soviet, uh, the Soviets would, uh, keep pushing the, the Germans westward, um, and he'd be, um, and Khrushchev would become increasingly involved in the reconstruction of Ukraine. 
Um, he was uh, appointed uh, premier of the Ukrainian uh, uh, Soviet Republic, um, in addition to his uh, earlier party posts, um, one of where uh, one of the rare instances where he would have uh, where um, someone would hold both the party and civil leader posts um, for a uh, for a Soviet republic. Because uh, usually they they divide them between people because they don't want someone to have both posts, right? Because it because it gets to like absolute leader territory like like Stalin and Mao. Got to be careful. Right. Can't consolidate. Uh, according to a uh, biographer, uh, William Thompson, um, it's difficult to actually assess uh, Khrushchev's war record uh, since he uh, most often um, acted as part of a military council, and it's not possible to know the extent of which his individual decisions. Um, or which decisions were his individually, uh, rather than him signing off on the orders of military officers. Um, but uh, uh, Thompson does point out that there are a few mentions of Khrushchev in military memoirs published during the Brezhnev era, uh, where um, that they were um, that that those mentions are generally favorable, and at a time uh, when uh, when people like never mentioned Khrushchev in print, and he had just sort of been memory hold from Soviet society. But, like, why? Why? Um, we'll we'll get to that when we talk about his downfall. Uh, but okay. but he he, it's essentially like the death of Stalin. Like that that sort of scenario happens to him. Um, but does the it, death of Khrushchev movie? No, I'm just saying oh. that that a similar scenario <laughs> sort of plays out where he where he's essentially overthrown by by people and like Brezhnev is the one that that runs it. Because oh, that's because Death of Stalin was an excellent movie. Because at the end of Death of Stalin, there's that scene where he's in the theater and, and it goes to like Brezhnev, like giving yeah. him the eye. That, yeah. That's because Brezhnev does like the same thing to him and and forces him forces him out of the government and into retirement. Ah, uh, okay, all right. Um, so it, it generally suggests that he was held in high regard, regardless of like how much he actually did. Gotcha. Um, so almost all of Ukraine had been occupied by the by the Germans, um, and um, and when Khrushchev returns there in 1943, he finds it completely devastated. Um, Ukraine's industry had been destroyed, um, and the agriculture there was facing critical uh, shortages due to the fighting. Hmm. Um, although even though uh, millions of Ukrainians had been uh, taken as slaves uh, to Germany um, or as prisoners of war, um, there was um, there was insufficient housing uh, for those who remained in Ukraine because of all the damage done. Uh, one out of every six Ukrainians was killed in World War II. Oof. Holy shit. Um, uh, Khrushchev would seek to reconstruct um, Ukraine, uh, but he... Um, but his... Uh, but he was unable... Um, or, or he wanted to complete sort of like the Soviet project of imposing a Soviet system on it that had been attempted before the war, um, though he hoped that there, that there would not be a need for uh, purges like there were in the 30s. Uh-huh. Um, as, uh, as Ukraine uh, was uh, recovered, um, conscription was imposed, and 750,000 men aged between 19 and 50 were given uh, minimal military training and sent to join the Red Army. Uh-huh. Um, some Ukrainians during this time period would join uh, partisan forces, um, hoping to uh, fight for an independent Ukraine. Um, uh, Khrushchev would travel throughout Ukraine, um, going district by district, um, to urge the the labor there, uh, laborers there 
um, uh-huh. to to work um, to do greater efforts to improve the to Im- improve and repair everything there. Right. He would make a uh, a short visit to uh, Klivnica. Um, there he found that um, that the people there were uh, starving, and only a third of the men who had joined uh, the Red Army there had returned. Oh shit! Um, and uh, Khrushchev would do everything uh, do everything he could to um, to assist them in the meantime. Um, but despite his efforts in 1945, um, Ukrainian industry was only at a quarter of its pre-war levels, um, and the harvest um, uh, uh, in 1945 was lower than that of 1944 uh, when the um, uh, when fighting was still going on in Ukraine. So just downtrending everywhere. Yeah, because of just like the amounts of uh, damage from the fighting, just like the, uh, the scorched earth taf- tactics, the destroying of the industry. Right. Um, so in order to increase uh, agricultural production, the, uh, the coal causes... Uh, were given the power to expel residents who were who were not pulling their weight on the farm. Um, Kolkhoz leaders would use this as an excuse to um, expel their personal enemies, um, uh, invalids, and the elderly, uh, sending them to uh, eastern parts of the Soviet Union. Jesus, like where are they sending them to? Like gulags? Um, just just sort of like. Walmart to work as greeters, you know. Yeah. Worked at a Dollar General distribution center. <laughs> go to go to a Hobby Lobby and dust <laughs> dust dust the stolen artifacts. Um, because because during this time period, you can't like freely move around legally. Um, right. so, so they just essentially tell you like, oh, you live here now. Wow! Wow! Like you could sign up to move elsewhere, but they could just go, all right, you live here now. That's pretty. Crazy. Dude, that's fucked. It's a lot easier than like trying to find a place, though, you know. Um, wow, <laughs> big wow. <laughs> um, uh, Khrushchev uh, felt this was a good policy, um, and and recommended its adoption elsewhere. Um, he also uh, worked to impose uh, more uh, collectivization in Western Ukraine. Um, uh, uh, while Khrushchev had uh, hoped to accomplish this by 1947, um, the the lack of resources um, uh, currently there, and the um, and the partisans though, would slow that process. Uh-huh. Uh, many of these partisans they fought for the Ukrainian insurgent army or the UPA. Um, th- these were the people who who mostly collaborated with the Nazis. Sons um, of bitches. For when they when they um, when they talk glowingly in in Ukraine today of like of, of Stefan uh, Bandera, um, who was the leader of the UPA. He was also a, a vehement anti-Semite and collaborator with the Nazis. Oh, ew, bro. Um, so while these uh, while these uh, partisans are gradually defeated, um, the Soviet police and military reported killing 110,825 quote-unquote bandits and capturing a quarter million more between 1944 and 1946. Are bandits like their way of saying like bad people? Essentially saying like insurgents, other other people, uh, criminals, people right. people probably related or associated to them. Yeah, but like a blanket term, just so that they can just kill anybody and say, "Oh, they were bandit." Right. Well, it's it's well, it's just like a it's just like a general term, like enemy of the state. Gotcha. But they're used in a way that's very like just kind of like vague, so that they can apply it to anybody they want. Well, yeah, it's like it's like the term terrorist. 
Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the example I was thinking of. I was trying to think of an example, and I was just thinking insurgent. And I'm like, no, that's really not what I'm looking for. But yes, terrorist. Okay. Um, so uh, around 600,000 uh, Western Ukrainians were arrested between 1942 and 1952, or 1944 and 1952. And uh, one third of them were executed, um, God, and the remainder. Fuck straight, God damn it. <laughs> and the remainder of them were imprisoned or exiled to the East. We are an educational podcast, Steve. You can't be getting your facts wrong like that. <laughs> I know, I know. We'll do contrition. Do better. <laughs> Um, and while um, 1944 and 1945 had seen uh, terrible destruction from the from World War II, um, 1946 would see an intense drought that would strike Ukraine and Western Russia. Um, so while uh, so even though the collective farms were required to turn over 52 percent of their harvest to the government, um, the the Soviet government sought to collect as much grain as possible to supply their communist allies in Eastern Europe. Um, Khrushchev, in order to meet this, would set the quotas at a high level, uh, leading Stalin to expect an unrealistically large quantity of grain from Ukraine. Um, food was rationed, but non-agricultural rural workers throughout the, the Soviet Union were given no ration cards. So um, what? You get no food. So this this would inevitably cause starvation um, and would largely be confined to rural areas and was little noticed outside the Soviet Union. Um, so, uh, Khrushchev, uh, realizing that the situation was becoming desperate in late 1946, uh, would repeatedly appeal to Stalin for aid, um, and, uh, would be met with anger and resistance, uh, from Stalin. Dude, imagine, like, going to the, your country's leader and being like, hey man, these people are starving. Let us get some money, let us get some food, um, and, you know, help these people out. And the leader being like, nah, no, fuck them. Like, What? <laughs> No, it's fucking wild, dude. Um, when his letters stop being pussies, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be a pussy. You could go without food for a couple days. You're okay. Yeah, you'll be fine. I've I've heard they're doing this thing. They put stone in soup. It's very good. You know, if you just work harder, you make more food, and then you have more food for yourself. Jesus. So what I'm saying is, you're not working hard enough. You know, not God's plan. Oh God, fucking Jesus Christ. Um. So, uh, because he's finding that his letters to Stalin aren't having any effect, uh, Khrushchev flies to Moscow and makes his case in person. Um, Stalin would finally give Ukraine limited food aid um, and money as well to set up uh, free soup kitchens. God, finally. However, um, uh, Khrushchev's political standing uh, was damaged, and in February of 1947, uh, Stalin suggested that uh, Kaganovich uh, be sent to Ukraine to, uh, quote-unquote, help Khrushchev. How is it Khrushchev's political standing? He was the one that was like lobbying for food. What the well, fuck? Well, yeah, because Stalin doesn't think they, they need that. Like, he essentially... How like, is Khrushchev's political standing damaged by that? How is it not Stalin's political damage, political standing be damaged? Because Stalin determines who's who's politically in and who's politically out. What a piece of shit. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't stand this beautiful, mustachioed man. Fuck him. Um, the following month, uh, the Ukrainian Central Committee removed Khrushchev as party leader um, in favor of Kaganovich um, and uh, allowed uh, Khrushchev to remain as premier. Oh. Uh, soon after Kaganovich arrived in Kiev, 
uh, Khrushchev fell ill and was uh, barely seen until September of 1947. Um, in his memoirs, Khrushchev uh, states that he had pneumonia. Um, some biographers have theorized that, that his illness was uh, mainly faked uh, for political reasons um, out of uh, out of fear that he was eventually uh, going to get into Stalin's crosshairs um, and eventually possibly be executed. Okay. Um, although uh, Khrushchev's children would remember that um, that he had been uh, seriously ill during that time period. Okay, so he probably did have pneumonia. Yeah. I okay. Considering how conditions were, I, I would not, like, if someone said they had pneumonia during that time period, I'd probably believe them. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising. Um, so uh, once, he was, uh, once he was in good health, though, um, he and his family uh, would uh, take their first vacation um, since before the war uh, to a beachfront resort in Latvia. Um, and uh, soon after this, um, he would uh, he would begin, you know, going on duck hunting trips and he would visit uh, the newly uh, the newly annexed um, uh, exclave of Kaliningrad. Right? Well, I guess it's on exclave at that point. It's it's connected to the Soviet Union um, and uh, toward uh, factories and quarries there. Uh, Kalinin, uh, Kaliningrad had been a, a part of uh, Germany. Oh, okay. it's it's that it's that area of Russia that's in um, n- northern Poland. Okay. Oh, oh okay. All right. I know what you're talking about. Because because while while today it's an exclave, um, at that time it was connected to. Because uh, remember the Baltics were a part of the Soviet Union, so it was like actually connected to the Soviet Union at that time. It's it's kind of a, a shithole um, <laughs> because. Because it had been like a, a German like heavy industry place, it had formerly been uh, Konigsberg, and um, it, like the big industry there was lead smelting, and you can imagine what that did to like the local like environment. Yeah. Um. And and essentially, I, I think in the nineties it might have been broached uh, for Poland to take it, but but nobody wanted it because you know it's just like a, you know it's like a super fun site. It is, as Donald Trump would call it, a shithole. <laughs> a shithole country. <laughs> um, so by the end of 1947, uh, Kaganovich is recalled to Moscow, um, and uh, Khrushchev is restored to uh, first secretaryship. Uh, he then resigned his Ukrainian premiership um, in favor of uh, Demyon uh, Korotichenko, um, his uh, protege taking the position. Um, Khrushchev's final years in Ukraine were generally peaceful, with the industry recovering, um, this, the partisans being put down by Soviet forces, and in 1947 and 1948, seeing better than expected harvests. Okay. Uh, collectivization has advanced in Western Ukraine, um, and uh, Khrushchev would implement more policies that encouraged uh, collectivization and discouraged private farms. Um, these... Um, these sometimes backfired, though, for instance, when a tax was put on private livestock holdings, which led to peasants just slaughtering their stock as opposed to uh, paying the tax. What? Well, I, I mean, I guess if you can't pay the tax, you might as well just destroy what's causing that tax to be implemented, I guess. I guess. Yes. And also possibly as a form of protest. Yeah, but you're, 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 you're slaughtering livestock that you could use. Like, why... I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they like actually did. Well, well no, because they probably well, didn't have like preservation techniques. Well, I was going to say have, maybe they slaughtered them and they like, saved everything, but nope. Well, we have to consider too. Like, if you can't pay the tax, what are they going to take? As opposed to uh, if you can't pay the tax, what are they going to take? Yeah, they're, they're going to take the livestock. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
So while uh, he he was um, he he became enamored with the idea of eliminating the differences between uh, towns um, and and the countryside um, and uh, transforming the the peasants of Russia into what was referred to as a rural proletariat, um, and he conceived the idea of of a quote unquote agro town. Um, so uh, I've been the in idea some agro as towns before. <laughs> yeah, those are called sundown towns here in the United <laughs> no, States. No, not that. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> fucking Southerners always go to racism. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a damn Yankee. What do you mean kidding. Southerners? I think like like Philadelphia. That's an aggro town. Absolutely. Don't they punch a fucking police horse in the fucking mouth? Of course, that's an aggro they threw, town. <laughs> they threw batteries at Santa Claus. You ever tried to fucking drive there, man? I drove there every day for like a year. It was fucking rough, dude. If you couldn't find oh, a place to fuck. go, you really had to pay attention to what was one way and what wasn't, because it's very. I've been grid to based. Philly like maybe twice. It's very yeah, grid based, like confusing. New York, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. One time I pulled out of a parking garage and I was going the wrong way down the one way street. Uh, not to quote Limmy, but uh, I'm going the wrong way down a one way street, and this like ghetto chick was just like yelling at me. She's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like that in the car. <laughs> She's like, "Someone call the police." Call the popo, help, help. I'm like, bitch, I'm just fucking driving in the wrong direction like an idiot. I'm going to I'm gonna fix it as soon as I can, you know? And there's like but if you translate everywhere. what she said to you into Southerner, it was just, hey, sweetheart, I just need you to turn around because you're going the wrong way down a, down a one-way street. Oh like, she God. really wasn't being aggro. It was just, you know, that's the Philly way of talking. Nah, in the South now, they would just be like, hey, we got a liberal over here. <laughs> Either, either that or liberal they, driving, just taking it, just minding his own business, just liberal. Either, either that or they just they just start blasting. Yeah, they just start shooting. It's a it's a that's a gunnable offense, right? Oh my god! Fucking um, Philly, man! You just shoot and kill somebody going the wrong way down a one way street. The cop just shows up. He's wrong way. Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> um. So, so the idea of the agrotown is that um, instead of uh, the uh, agricultural workers living in villages close to the farms, they would uh, live further away in larger towns, uh, which would give them uh, municipal services such as uh, utilities and libraries um, that, th- that they could not find in the villages. Uh, he would complete only one town uh, before his December 1949 uh, return to Moscow, and he dedicated it to Stalin as a 70th birthday present. Um, what a cuck. In his uh, memoirs, uh, Khrushchev uh, spoke highly of Ukraine, um, and he'd say, I'll say that the Ukrainian people treated me well. I recall warmly the years I spent there. This was a period full of responsibilities, but pleasant because it brought satisfaction. But far be it from me to inflate my significance. The entire Ukrainian people was exerting great efforts. I attribute Ukraine's success to the Ukrainian people as a whole. I won't elaborate further on this theme, but in principle... It's very easy to demonstrate. I'm Russian myself, and I don't want to offend the Russians. Okay. It sounds very... Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It sounds very, like, brainwashed. Like, I am Russian. Right? Like, like somebody working for Amazon. Like, I am Amazon. Well, like, well, Amazon no, he's, is me. Well, he says he's, he means he's ethnically Russian. I know, but it just, I don't know, it just sounds weird saying it like that. Well, it's like it's like when people say I'm Irish. All right, chill. <laughs> <laughs> he misheard it, and he's trying to save face. 
Yeah, I don't see why he always has to be Russian to everything. Yeah, every listen, it just always <laughs> Russian, 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 Russian. <laughs> we are the first people to ever make that joke. <laughs> uh, no, I was, I'm obviously being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we close the chapter on the early part of one Khrushchev's early life. Um, and next, we will talk about his his uh, rise to power and how he um, like his pants tailored. His rise to power, like he's already run shit at this point that we've talked about. Yeah, but he's going to end up running the whole thing. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> and we're going to talk about how he comes to Wegmans here in the United States. <laughs> I can't find water ball turkey. <laughs> okay, what is this boar's head? <laughs> I don't see any borders. I Why know what border is. What? What is four local? Where is local one, two, <laughs> through three? <laughs> four local would vaporize the key to Khrushchev if he took a sip of that shit. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Actually, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. The key to Khrushchev, if given four loco, would probably pound those things and wonder what the fuck is wrong with them. Why are they giving him water? Because this is a dude who probably drank straight vodka. All day, every day. Yeah, that's true. His liver was a little stone in his fucking gut. It was nothing but a little rock in there. I think he could destroy a four loco. That's that's also the... uh, There's an anecdote about how uh, Jukov loved... um, I think it was... uh, Is it Pepsi or Coke? Uh And they they hooked him up with a a supply without the coloring in it. And they called it like, like White Star or something like that to give him his hookup. Oh. So they gave him Crystal Pepsi. Yeah, they essentially gave him like Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> Let's not talk about Crystal Pepsi. All right. Good night. Good luck. I, I, I love it.